If you would turn back with me to that portion of the Bible that we read a few moments ago, and we'll take as our uh, text Mark 1 and verse 17. Mark 1, Mark chapter 1 and verse 17. One of the shortest sermons that the Lord Jesus ever preached. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they really have changed the world. A lot of people are on there calling others to follow after them. Famous people, politicians, sportsmen, academics. And they're saying, follow after me and I will give you value. I will give you worth. And I will direct you and help you along life's journey. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing really wrong with that. But that seems to be the mantra of the day. You follow me. And some people have millions upon millions of followers on these social platforms. And it really is incredible how the world has changed. And how people can interact and stay together and... But yet there is only one, there is only one man who ever lived who can claim to be the authority on all things. And that is Jesus. That is the God-man. The one who was passing by. Follow me, he says. And I will give you worth. I will give you something to think about. And here in our text we have Jesus passing by saying, follow me. And when the Lord Jesus passes by, things happen. When the Lord Jesus passes by in the gospel... Lives are changed. When the Lord Jesus passes by in the gospel and says, You, follow me, and I will change your life. So verse 16, what does he say? Follow me. Verse 17, follow me. And in the preceding verses up to this, the Lord is passing by. He's equipped now for his ministry. The Lord is now filled with the Holy Spirit. He's ready to go out into this world and to preach the gospel. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. And you will see that in verses 14 and 15. His identity now has been disclosed. He is now showing the world who he is. And what he has done in this chapter leading up to our text, he has identified himself 
with a people. Who has the Lord Jesus identified himself with? Well, he has identified himself with sinners. He's gone out into the wilderness. He's gone out into the rural landscape. He hasn't gone to a palace. He hasn't yet gone to the temple. He hasn't yet gone to the places where the high flyers live. The high flyers who if they were around today with millions of followers would say, follow me. No, he's gone out into the rural areas, into the wilderness. He's gone out into the countryside. He's gone out amongst the poor. He's gone out amongst the outcasts. He's gone out amongst sinners. And he says, follow me. Follow me. The Son of God is disclosing who he is. He's identified himself with sinners in his baptism and in his temptations leading up to this short sermon. Here we have these four fishermen meeting the Saviour of the world. And when you meet the Saviour of the world, things are never the same again. You know, there was real power in the words of Jesus that day, 2,000 years ago. But there is real power in the words of Jesus even today. It's the same words. He's the same Jesus. He's the same Saviour of the world. Follow me, he says. The fishermen obey and they follow him. You see, Jesus here, this is God, remember, this is, this is God Almighty coming in the flesh. This, this is the same God that Moses made up on Mount Sinai with the thunder and the earthquakes. And This is the same God. Go back to the book of Exodus. And when you read poor Moses having to go up the mountain on his own for day upon day upon day to meet with the living God and there's earthquakes and there's thunder. Well, here's Jesus, the Son of God, and he wants to get personal with these four fishermen. There's no thunder, there's no earthquakes. He simply walks up to them. And do you know what he says? He says, I want to be your friend. That's basically what he's saying. Follow me. I will become your friend as well as your God and your Savior. I want to get personal with you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that absolutely incredible? Jesus meets them personally as he is passing by. So is it legitimate for me to say 
That Jesus today, as we meet in Sandwich, call on the Lord's Day to say that the Lord Jesus is passing by? You bet. Absolutely. You bet. Yes, he is passing by. Because he has promised to meet you and me by the power of a spirit through his word. And he promises to meet us today. And what does he say? He simply says, follow me. Obey me. I will become personal to you. I will become your friend. I love you. I want to help you. I know all your problems. I know all your trachels. I know your family's problems. I know your community's problems. I know your church's problems. I want to come alongside you. And I want to help you. But you must follow me. So is it legitimate for me to say as a preacher of the gospel that Jesus is passing by today? Yes, and yes, and absolutely yes. He says, follow me. Because the word of God is alive. What does the book of Hebrews say? For the word of God is living and active. The same as the Lord Jesus. He too is living and active. And his word today is living and active. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'll tell you, a sword in the ancient world was a sharp thing. It could go through that just like that. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it piercing the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And you know what else the writer to the Hebrew says? Listen to this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God, the word of Jesus exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Lord Jesus is a personal saviour. He knows your innermost thoughts and desires. You see God's spirit in partnership with God's word as Paul tells us also in Ephesians. He says, take the helmet of salvation, doesn't he? And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Mysterious, yes, but we live by faith, not by sight. So is it legitimate for me to say that today that Jesus is passing by? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is passing by here. He's passing by in the homes of those that are looking in and listening in because it's the word of God that has the power. It's not the preacher. It's not the church. It's the word of God in partnership with the spirit of God that brings Jesus here with us today. Do you know that Martin Luther believed in the real presence of Christ in the proclamation of the gospel? As long as that proclamation is in full accord with the scriptures. Listen to one commentator say this, and this is excellent. He says, in the sermon, he says, one actually encounters God. In the sermon, one actually encounters God. We encounter God in the acts of speaking and listening. 
We encounter God in the act of speaking and listening. You see, the power of God is in the word of God. And that is why Paul can say in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Paul knew it. The writer to the Hebrews knew it. (laughs) Jesus knew it and knows it. And every preacher of the word of God and every Christian ought to know it too. You know, it can be like the dolphins. We can become so familiar with it. The beauty and the elegance of it. And we can become so familiar with the gospel sometimes too. And we're meeting with the living God today as we meet. And we must be reminded of it. Paul says later in the book of Romans, he says... Faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. You see, God deals with sinners through the word and the preaching of that word and the gospel. These four fishermen on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, they heard the word of Christ and they immediately obeyed. Not everyone obeyed who Christ preached to. But these four fishermen, they obeyed. So is it legitimate for me to say that Jesus is passing by today? Absolutely yes and yes. By the power of the Spirit and the preaching of his word. Even John Calvin, who understood very well the words spoken in a sermon were not just merely human words. This is what he says. Listen carefully to what John Calvin says. He says, For God wanted his word to be always received from the mouth of men, no less, now listen to this bit, no less than as if he had himself openly appeared from heaven. I am going to read that again. For God wanted his word to be always received from the mouth of men, no less than as if He, that is God himself, had himself openly appeared from heaven. Incredible. It is a sure and infallible sign, Calvin says, that God is near to us, that he is at hand, that he seeks our salvation, that he calls us to himself as though he spoke with open mouth, And that we see him personally. There's that word again. Personally before us. In the act of preaching, Jesus calls us to himself. He holds out his arm to receive us. I always thought John Calvin was very dry. He is saying that where the preaching of the word of God is evident, the Lord God is there amongst us. Jesus is passing by and he's in his gospel. And as they say, 
the free grace is offered to all sinners. Thomas Watson, another Puritan, says this about reading your Bible. He says, think in every line when you read your Bible that God is speaking to you directly. This is a personal God. This is a personal Lord Jesus. Secondly, Jesus is passing by. He not only sees you, but he knows you. We must remember who is passing by here. This is God's Son, the one whose hand was in the creation of the whole universe. This is the one he saw. He saw Simon and Andrew. Verse 16. Verse 19. He saw James and John. Jesus knew all about these four fishermen. He knew absolutely everything about them long before they had ever set eyes on him. He knew all their fears. He knew all their ambitions. He knew their future. They didn't know their future, but Jesus knew their future. He came close. He came up close and he approached them. He knew their past and he knew their future. But for Jesus, it was the future that was important to him. It was their future that was very important to Jesus. They were to become his friends. You know, these fishermen, you know, they, they probably thought they were rather tough, fearless. There's a word I like, thrawn, stubborn. That's what they were, thrawn and stubborn. And there's nothing like working on a fishing boat to bring out the worst in temper, I'll tell you. When you're under stress and the weather's poor and the hail's in your face. You want to be sanctified, go on a fishing boat. Thrawn, these men were thrawn, they were stubborn, they thought they knew it all. And here comes the creator of the universe coming up personal to them. Follow me, I want to become your friend. Jesus would later call them. What did he call them? He called them men of thunder. They were so fiery. They were so quick-tempered. They were so bickering amongst themselves all the time. And here they are. They're in their place. They're in their zone. They're mending their nets. They're in their zone. This is their world. And when you're a fisherman and you're on the pier and your wick has gone absolutely it's gone bad because you've ripped your nets or whatever the case may be and you can't get to sea, you're losing money, you don't have a wage, you know. They wouldn't have been very approachable. I'll put it that way. But here he comes. Follow me. Follow me. You know, Jesus knew that these were some of the men who would turn the world upside down. And these disciples would... By the power of the Spirit, they too would turn the world upside down. Or I should rather say what they proclaimed would turn the world upside down. He knew them. He knows you. He knows me. Oh Lord, you have searched me. And you know me. You know when I sit down. And you know when I rise. You discern my thoughts from afar. Not only does he see you, but he knows you. And it was no different for these four fishermen that day. Number three, Jesus called them into the kingdom. 
And I can repeat that another way. Jesus calls you into the kingdom. He calls me into the kingdom by coming up close and personal. The kingdom of God is near, he preached. These fishermen that day saw the kingdom of God. They saw Jesus. They saw the Son of God with their own eyes. And of course, this kingdom, what did the Lord Jesus say to Pilate? Pilate couldn't get his head round this kingdom. Jesus says, see this kingdom? It's not of this world. You can have this kingdom on this earth, basically, Jesus says to Pilate. But see the kingdom of God? You know nothing about that. Jesus, passing by the Sea of Galilee, is going to call these fishermen into his kingdom. The kingdom of darkness they would come out of, and they would enter into the kingdom of light. You know, Jesus expects a favourable response from everybody. That is what he wants, is a favourable response from everybody. And that is my hope and my prayer. I know it's the elders' hope and prayer, and every Christian's hope and prayer, that everyone encompassed in this room and online would know exactly what the kingdom of God is, because they reside in it. They live in it. They see it. Because they have said, yes, Lord Jesus, I will follow you. I will follow you. Don't try and perfect yourself before you follow after him. Because you will fail. Let Jesus do the perfecting of you. Let Jesus do the sanctifying of you. Because that is what he will do. That is what he has promised to do. He will take you by your right hand. He will come up close and personal. And he will say, just like the psalm we sung at the beginning of our worship service, I will forgive you all of your wrongdoing and all of your sin and I will mould you I will recreate you into what I am I will perfect you because perhaps you're thrown like me stubborn like me but it is only Jesus that can chip away at these thrown edges and it was only Jesus that could change these men and it is only Jesus that can change you and me but we must we must make that commitment and follow after him we must do that we must do that I have completely run out of time I've got so much more here, but I'm not going to keep this. He expects a favourable response. And we see in verse 18, and immediately, Mark loves that word, and immediately. Immediately is his favourite word. And you read the Gospel of Mark, you will see immediately, all over it. 
And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 20. And immediately he called them and they left their fathers, Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. There was no, oh wait till I fix my nets. No. They followed. They went on an adventure of a lifetime. And that is what the Lord Jesus will do for you as well. He will put you and give you an adventure of a lifetime. You might not leave the island. But it is an adventure being a disciple of Christ. There's nothing like it. It is hard. It is tough. Yes. But there is nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Nothing is ever the same again. When you say, yes, Lord Jesus, I will follow after you. Listen to Kent Hughes and his commentary, and I'm going to nearly close with this, okay, so bear with me. He says, their minds, that is, these four fishermen, he says, their minds, once circumscribed and committed to the smallest of interests, what was the smallest of interests? Their boat, their harbour, maybe a few trips to Jerusalem for festivals, which were the highlight of the year for them. But their their world was small. Their minds, once circumcised and committed to the smallest interests, now overflowed, he says, with great thoughts. They became theologians, thinkers, sociologists, psychologists, and strategists, all because of the gospel. I have known friends who have never read a book since the day they left school being converted. And now they devour books about Jesus. They just can't get enough. Now I'm not overemphasizing the intellect here. Okay? But we must not undermine the intellect either. We must learn. We must read. We must think. And as a church, we come together and we must strategize. We must know the way forward, how to reach a lost world. We must work at it. And when you say to the Lord Jesus, yes, Lord Jesus, I will follow you, he will give you a job to do. Because you have a sphere of influence that nobody else has. Each one of us has a sphere of influence that nobody else has. It's your sphere of influence. And within that sphere of influence, the Lord will use you. And there are times where your friends and your family, they will see some of the bad points. They do with me, the thrownness. That's my favorite word of the week. My friend said it to me the other day. You're thrown. And I says, I know I'm thrown. <laughs> but the Lord's working. I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. And so are you. And so am I. We're all works in progress when we say, yes, Lord Jesus. How is all this done? Well, it is all done. And I close with this. This all happens because this Jesus would leave his friends and he would go to a cross and he would die for his friends on that cross so that their lives could be changed forever.
so that they could be forgiven because they could not do it themselves. The simplicity of the gospel. Sometimes I complicate it in preaching. Today I'm trying not to complicate it. We can be changed and follow after Jesus and become a Christian and a disciple because he would go to a cross but he wouldn't stay on the cross. He would go to the grave and he would rise again. Is Jesus passing by today? You bet he is. You bet. And he is saying, follow me.